Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. People are going to ask about my sweater. Yeah. You want to weave it in the first one? Yeah. What do you think you're saying? It's just that it's a, a sweater from our friends. It's one of my favorite years, 1986. I turned 16. Okay. Driver's license. I was going to say, is that when you were born? And <laughs> yeah. you be like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That was the year I was born. Wow, you look like you were born in 1986. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Hey, welcome back to Conversations. About conversations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is kind of what it's about. Yep. One of the things that we wanted to talk about this week is talking about the name. Yeah. Uh, the how, name of the new church. The name of the new church. Yeah. Um, so many people um, are wondering what the name is going to be. We had so many submissions yeah. on the form. Yep. Uh, some people submitted one name. Uh, there was others that submitted a whole <laughs> list of yeah. names. And, uh, you know, we want to talk a little bit about how to approach um, getting ready to, to take on a new name as, as a church. Because in two weeks from today, we're going to be sharing the new name with you. Right. And so, yeah, we want to have conversations about how to prepare to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. When this conversation first came up uh, between you and I, Brian, one of the things that we were quick to do is actually to lay down um, both the names of our church as yeah. we talked about a merger, because we really wanted to have one new name. And um, during that time, we had a bit of a conversation just on identity and how it's important to not just put our name or our identity in a name and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Both names carried significant vision with them. Lots yeah. of ministry representing lots of people who join in those communities. Yeah. And yet we equally felt it was, it was a very sacred conversation of saying, no, actually we think God yeah. wants us to submit what we currently have, yeah. give it back to him to see what he will do with it. Yeah. In a whole new way. Yeah, so one of the big reasons that we're actually talking about the name two weeks ahead of time is we actually just wanted to prime our own hearts and our minds yeah. for this because the reality is, is that any time a new name is given to anything, um, our first reaction is, is kind of like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. interesting. Actually, just today, as we were filming this, um, one of my favorite apps on my phone rebranded. Uh, and yes. uh, all of a sudden I opened up my phone and there was a new app and I was like, what's this from? Yeah. But it wasn't a new app. It was the same app with a new name. Oh, yeah. They actually chosen a new name? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, yeah. maybe they sent an email. I didn't know. Yeah. But um, my first reaction was like, I don't know if I like this. Yeah. The reality is in a month or two, that's the only thing I'll know it by. Yeah. And it'll probably grow on me. Yeah. And I've experienced this with friends and and and, uh, and whatnot. When yeah, like when they name their a child, and then you first hear it, and you're like, "Oh, do I warm up to that or not?" And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But almost always down the road, you actually warm up to the name of that, yeah. and uh, you learn to love it, and you learn to love obviously the human it's attached to. Mm -hmm. But I think the same goes for this name. One of the things that we've been saying around the office is that uh, there's a good chance at first um, there's going to be a number of people that don't like the name. Yeah. And not because it's a bad name, but just because it's change. Yeah. 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 And we, and, and so that's where some of the warming up to the name comes along. But really we feel God's calling us to keep our identity in Christ, yeah. not in this church or the new name of it. That's right. But we want this church to be known for Jesus, just like we want Jesus to be known in this region and yes. in all Ontario. Yes. So we're 
prepping all of us not to hang our identity on a new church name. Yeah. We're still going to be central on Jesus and making disciples, yes. but we're going to be identified as a community by this new name. That's right. Yeah. At the end of the day, for those of you that go to Slate Church, like we, are, we, aren't, we aren't Slate and those that have been attending Koinonia. We're not Koinonia. We are Christians serving Jesus. And yeah. we've come up with these names to identify the group of people that we um, do life with and we're becoming disciples alongside. Yeah. But with that name change, the ultimate goal here is not even that we would find hope in this new name, but we would find hope in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we laid down these two names, we got this advice, um, from some people who were consulting. Yeah. I said, what if the name, the new name had as much identity as Koinonia, but was as simple to say and as, and to spell as Slate? Yeah. A lot of people are going to be relieved by both those things. Yes. yes. (laughs) It's going to carry biblical meaning, but be simple and easy to embrace. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I feel like that time went really fast. Michaela's already waving her hand. Already? (laughs) (laughs) So this is is one of the things we want to leave you with, is when you hear the new name on November 26th, this is both an announcement and a way to prepare our hearts for it, is we know that it's going to take some time for everybody to get used to. Um, But we're also really confident in it. We were able to receive that list of names. We've been talking about it as staff. We, as a senior leadership team, have been really narrowing it down. And we're really confident in the name we're going to present but we're also know that it's going to take some time to grow and that's okay too. Yeah. Will yeah. we have merch with the new name? Will we have merch? Yeah. The question is not whether or not we'll have merch, but how quick. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't really like the name merch only because I picture Jesus like flipping tables in our lobby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But True. we will, <laughs> we'll have something that you can, uh, wear, take home. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, November 26th, the new name. More coming. Well, good morning. Good to see you all. We're, we're talking about things that are a big deal, and that's our series that we're in right now. And I guess we could say the name is not a big deal. I don't know. Maybe some of you think it is, but uh, we're looking forward to hearing that. And uh, I, I appreciated a number of you responding when, when uh, I think Brandon said that we were looking for something that was as meaningful as Koinonia, but as simple to say and spell as Slate. And uh, you'll have to wait and see if, if you feel that that's the case. Yeah, as we, as we are merging together as one new church... We are wanting to focus on things that are a big deal. Have you ever made a big deal out of something only to discover it really wasn't that big a deal? I think you can probably relate to this more. Have you ever seen somebody else (laughs) make a big deal out of something that really was not a big deal? Of course, everybody else has done it, never us, right? We know something's a big deal when the Bible makes it a big deal, when Jesus makes it a big deal, when the early church makes it a big deal. And we want to make sure that as a church, as we come together as a new church, that we are focusing on things that really do matter. And across all three locations today here in Bloomingdale, and uh, in Waterloo this morning, Heidi was uh, is 
probably just finished speaking and we'll begin again soon. (laughs) Um, And then in the evening at Maxwell location, we are talking about generations. Why would we talk about generations? Because generations are... Yeah, that's right. Very good. 20 people got it. So it's a big deal to us as a church because generations are a big deal to God. Do you believe that? Generations are a big deal to God. In fact, you may remember this passage in Scripture when Moses um, sees the burning bush. Some of you remember this. He goes aside to see what's going on. And while he's approaching this bush, God speaks to him. And God identifies himself to Moses in a very interesting way. Listen to what he says. Um, when Moses is told, you know, I want you to go to, to the Israelites, back to Egypt, go back to Egypt. I want you to go to the Israelites and tell them that I've sent you. And Moses is very nervous and he says, God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? <laughs> then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord God of your fathers. Now listen to this. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. See, God is a generational God. He doesn't just focus on one generation at a time. Aren't you glad? God doesn't just focus on one generation at a time. He is a God of all generations at the same time. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, from generation to generation. How many of you were here on Tuesday night at the worship night? Wasn't that a great time? One of the things I loved the most about that experience was seeing the generations. Did, did you guys catch what was going on? We had little kids up here at the front just going crazy, just loving, loving life in the presence of God. We had this choir over here on the right side of the stage with literally just about every generation in it. And I was just, knowing that I was going to be sharing on generations, I was just like, God, this is so, so cool that we have so many generations here at Koinonia. And as we merge to become one new church, we're going to have, the generations are going to get filled out even more. And I believe that God is excited about that. Are you excited about that? Yeah, it's so good. In fact, in in Psalm 145, uh, David writes these words, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. God is so great, we can't get our minds around it. That's what he's saying. Then he says, One generation commends or praises your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. That's what was going on here on Tuesday. We were generation to generation commending, praising 
God to one another. It's a beautiful thing, and that is what God wants for us, because God is calling us to be an intergenerational church. Everybody say intergenerational. That is what God has in mind for us. Kids and teens are not the church of tomorrow. I should be hearing some amens from some parents. <laughs> yeah, let me let me give it give you another go at that. That was that was not fair. That was such an important statement. I should have given you a heads up. Kids and teens are not the church of tomorrow. And the older generations are not the church of yesterday. That's right. There's no church of yesterday and today or, or and tomorrow. There's only a church of today. That's all there is. There's no one about to graduate to become part of the church. There's no one who's aged out, <laughs> right? Even when we pass into the next, uh, into eternity, we continue to be the church. We are God's people. From the youngest to the oldest, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now, there is a challenge in this, in becoming an intergenerational church. Has anybody heard of the idea of a generation gap? Anybody heard that phrase before? Generation gap. Maybe you've experienced it. It's, it's a real thing. In fact, this, was, this phrase was coined in the 1960s when the baby boomers, when it became evident that the baby boomers had completely changed everything from their parents, right? Their values, the music they were listening to, uh, government and political views, all of this kind of stuff. It was like they went against everything their parents thought about in those areas. And so this phrase came, came to be a thing. And it's basically, basically about the difference in opinions and outlooks and values, maybe beliefs, around politics, language, work, demographics, all that kind of stuff, between one generation to the next. And I think that as a result of the speed of life these days, it, in some ways it becomes even more obvious. Would you agree? Technology and all of this. So this can feel like it's a problem, right? You know, like how do we be an intergenerational church? Not just in name, right? I'm not talking about just being an intergenerational church in name, because anybody can say they are, right? Like we can just make an announcement. It's, this is a value that we have, right? But that doesn't mean it's happening. Agreed? We're an intergenerational church when we are doing ministry and life together as generations in actuality, in practice. That is what I believe that's what we believe God is calling us to be as, as a new church, as we come together. So how do we deal with this problem, this apparent problem, this challenge of a generation gap? Back in 2009, um, Pastor Steve, that's our founding pastor here at Koinonia, asked some people to speak um, who weren't on staff over the summer holidays. And I remember this very clearly. There was a, a gentleman by the name of Glenn Wood. Some of you know 
or even are related to him. He's a wonderful man. And he, at the time, was speaking that Wednesday night that I was there. And I was going to be speaking, I, I can't remember exactly, a couple of weeks later, I think. And as I, I took my kids out to children's ministry, and it took a while, <laughs> sometimes it does, right, when you've got young kids, and I, was, I came back to the auditorium, and I expected that he would be already into his preaching. And Glenn was about 78 at the time, and I was about 33. In fact, I was. I wasn't about 33. <laughs> I was, 33. And I, as I stood at the back, I'm looking over there because that's where I was in the back corner. He was in the middle of praying. And I was just taking in this experience because I was seeing this 78-year-old saint, this, this man who had served God faithfully for decades, on the platform preparing to speak, praying, and I was thinking about myself, the, the fact that I was going to be doing the same thing <laughs> 45 years younger. And as he was praying, he, he prayed these words, Lord, even close the generation gap. And in that moment, God spoke to me, revealed to me what he wanted me to speak about. And it's the last piece of this message. It's how we can walk together as an intergenerational church and close the generation gap. Are you interested? The way that the generation gap gets closed is through honor. It's through one generation honoring the next. It's through the older honoring the younger and the younger honoring the older. See, it, honor is, is the idea of fixing or assigning a value to something or someone, a high value to esteem that thing or that person. The opposite, of course, is dishonor, which is to treat lightly of no account, to treat as unimportant or ordinary. That's what dishonor means. And honor is not, again, it's not something that we just do with our lips. It's not just something we do externally. It's something that goes on in our hearts. Jesus said to the, to the religious leaders one day, he said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You know all the right things to say, religious leaders, but at the core of who you are, you are treating me like I'm unimportant. You don't recognize the gravity of my words. You don't understand who you're talking to, right? They were lightly esteeming God. They were lightly esteeming Jesus. So honor comes from our hearts. It's, it's expressed in the words we use towards one another. It's expressed in the way we think about one another. It's expressed in our attitudes towards one another. Are we honoring one another from generation to generation? Honor doesn't remove the differences we have. There will always be differences. 
And praise God for that. But what it does do is it causes us to begin to appreciate the differences. It begins to cause us to even celebrate the differences that we have from one generation to the next to value and see the value in those differences. And as we do this, it closes the gap. It causes us to be able to work together, minister together, celebrate one another in a way that we haven't been able to before. And so I'm going to share with you three things that are going to help us understand how we can honor one another from generation to generation. And the first thing is this. We have to understand how God views the generations. You remember how I said that honoring is about assigning a value to someone or something? Well, God has already assigned a value to every generation. He did this in two ways. The first way he did it is through creation. In, in Genesis, it says that God made human beings in his image and likeness. And generations are made up of human beings. <laughs> Doesn't matter how different they are to us. God has assigned a value to all generations because they are made in the image of God. And the second way that God has assigned a value is by the price he paid to redeem those, those people, that generation. And what was the price that God paid to redeem every generation? Jesus let me read to you from 1 Peter 1, verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, which is what Pastor Nick was talking about. Jesus Christ laid down his life in order to redeem every generation. God has already assigned a value. God has, the, the cross was the, the greatest act of honor, you could say, that has ever happened. Because in it, God assigned a high, high value to every human being, to every generation. And that value was equal to the blood of his own son. Wow. That's why we need to honor every generation not just our generation, not just the generations above us. That's a pretty common thought, right? Honor your elders, definitely important, biblical. But we're also called to honor those behind us as well, the generations that are coming, by listening to them, by asking them questions, by allowing them to express who God is to us. The second way that we see God expressing honor for every generation is that he places every generation in his church, in the body of Christ, right? Does he not do that? Like no one sneaks in to the body of Christ. The only reason anybody ever ends up as part of the body of Christ is if God places them in it. 
So every person that is in the body of Koinonia, that's in the body of Slate, that will be in the local expression of this new church, that's in the church anywhere around the world, or who has ever lived and been part of the church, got into the church because God chose them. So if God chose them, don't you think we should honor them, respect, have high esteem for them? Isn't that what you would like others to have for you? Isn't that what you would like others to have for you? Yes. Yes. I, I want to read to you a, a passage um, from 1 Corinthians 12. It's about the body because in it, Paul compares the church to a body made up of members. But as I read this, I'm, I'm going to throw in the word generation here and there. And I want you to think about generations as I read it. See how it applies. In verse 12 of chapter, uh, of chapter 12, just as one body, though one has many parts, many generations, but all its many parts or generations form one body, so it is with Christ. For we all, every generation, youngest to oldest, were baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, young or old, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. The youngest child that has received Christ, that's in that children's ministry, has the same spirit within them that the oldest person in this room that's a follower of Jesus does. The same price, the same value was affixed on that child as the oldest person that's a part of this church. Same value, same spirit. Even so, the body is not made up of one part or one generation, but of many but in fact, God has placed the parts or all of the generations in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, all one generation, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, many generations, but one body. See, God has placed all the generations in this local church, in this new church that we're becoming, because he wanted them to be there. As I said to you, no person, no, doesn't matter how young you are, you're not the church of tomorrow, and it doesn't matter how old you are, you're not the church of yesterday. We are all the church of today. We are all the body of Christ today. We all have a function and a purpose in that body I want to encourage you, if, if you're young, don't believe the lie that you're too young to be of any use in the body of Christ. doesn't matter how young we are, God has given us gifts, and he has given us abilities, he's given us strengths, he's given us revelation of who he is, and he wants that to be expressed from the youngest to the oldest. If you are older in this room or in the sound of my voice or watching online, do not believe the lie that you are yesterday's news. 
that you just need to step out of the way and let everybody else do that church thing. We need you. (laughs) We need you. We need the young. We need the old because every member, every generation is a part of the church. Every member, every generation is a part of the body of Christ. And when we honor every generation, it removes the things that divide us. It doesn't get rid of the differences. It removes the things that divide us. And we begin to come together and we begin to realize the gift that each generation is to the other. Number three, God honors every generation by pouring out his spirit on all generations. On the day of Pentecost, you may remember that the uh, 120 disciples were in the upper room. And they were in prayer, they were in unity, they were in one accord, it says. And the Spirit of God came and filled that place, blew in like a mighty rushing wind. And every one of them was filled with the Spirit, youngest to oldest. And they began to speak in languages that they had never learned. And, the, and a crowd gathered because they came out of their room that they were in, huddling in. Their holy huddle. They left the room and they went out into the streets. And people began to see what was going on and they were amazed. They were perplexed, the Bible says in Acts 2. And they wondered, what does this mean? And some of them thought they were drunk. (laughs) And Peter, who had previously been too afraid to even acknowledge that he knew Jesus, denied Jesus three times, This same Peter, filled with the Spirit of God, stands up in front of thousands of people and begins to proclaim who Jesus Christ is. And he says to them, these people are not drunk, as you suppose, verse 15 of chapter 2. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel In the last days, God says, listen to the language, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. God doesn't just place every generation in his body. He then pours out his spirit on every generation in his body. We don't have to become a certain age to qualify for God to pour out his spirit upon us. We've just got to be hungry. That's all we've got to be. We've just got to desire God's presence, desire God's spirit, and be open to him. Every generation can be filled with God's Spirit. Every generation can prophesy. We're not talking about that there's two kinds of prophecy. There's foretelling, which is, you know, talking about the future before it happens, which is what we, you know, get really psyched about. We like that. 
because it's really cool. Then there's forth telling, which is becoming the voice of God, speaking the words of God to the people around us. That's what God wants us to do. Every generation declaring and representing God and his words to the people around us. Every generation can do that. That's the will of God. That's what God wants to do. Every generation is part of what God is doing in the earth. I want you to imagine a big puzzle. Every generation has a piece of that puzzle. See, because God reveals himself in and through and to every, genera- and every generation in unique ways. If you trace through the Old Testament in particular, you'll see the way God reveals himself to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and so on, it's different in, in different ways. And together, as, they, as the voice of Scripture comes together, each of those revelations reveals the fullness of who God is. And God does this on purpose. He reveals things to each generation so that when we come together, we have a fuller picture of who God is. We begin to reveal the fullness of God. The church is the fullness of God. Jesus is the head of the church, his body, which is the fullness of God, Ephesians says. And the church is made up of all generations. And God reveals himself uniquely to each generation, gives them a piece of the puzzle. And God doesn't want us just to hold on to our piece of the puzzle, our piece of revelation of who God is. He wants us to bring it together, put it together as the generations so that the world and the church can see the glory of God in greater fullness. That's what God wants to do through the generations. See, honor for another generation opens our hearts to what that generation has to offer. If we dishonor and dismiss a younger generation, we'll never receive the things God's put in them for us. If we dismiss and dishonor and lightly esteem an older generation, we think they're past it. We think their best before end has has expired. (laughs) Whatever language you want to use. We will miss out on what God has put within that generation. The ways in which he has revealed himself to them. We will miss out on it. God doesn't want that. He wants us to honor every generation. And in doing so, we get to see the fullness of God. No one is too young and no one is too old. I'll just remind you of a few people in Scripture that God worked through who were really young. There was a boy named Samuel who became one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. And God visited him when he was still a boy. David was a teenager, around 15, when he was anointed as king. Josiah was eight when he became king. And he was a faithful and godly king who followed God with all his heart. Philip the evangelist in Acts Acts 21 says he had four daughters, unmarried daughters, who were prophets, who prophesied. No one is too old either. Moses, remember Moses, the burning bush? 80. 
He was 80 when God spoke to him from that burning bush. Then there was Simeon. He was, when he prophesied over Jesus, baby Jesus in the temple, just after Jesus had been born, when he was presented in the temple, he was getting ready to pass away. And God had promised, you will see the Messiah before you do. And then there was Anna. She was 84 when she did the same thing in the temple, prophesying over the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords. No one is too young and no one is too old. I want to give one last scripture to you that I think really ties up what God is wanting to say to us about generations. And at first, it may seem a little odd, but let me explain. Bear with me, okay? Proverbs 20, verse 29. The glory of young men is their strength, and the, glory, the honor of old men is their gray hair. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? <laughs> See, what this verse is saying is that the greatest asset that the young have is their strength, their energy. They're young. They've got energy, enthusiasm, passion. They've got strength. But the thing they lack is wisdom and experience because you just can't get those things without some time. (laughs) The greatest strength of the older generations is their gray hair. In other words, their wisdom and experience. Here's what God wants. He wants the young to submit their strength to the wisdom of the older generations and say, how can I serve the vision and the dreams that God has put in you with my strength? And what he wants is for the older generation not to step aside and say, I'm done, I put in my time, (laughs) but to say, younger generation, I see in you the heart of God. I see that God has poured out his spirit on you. Let me help you. Let me give you wisdom. Let me give you some experience. Not tell you what to do, but guide you, mentor you, coach you. See, if we don't do this, What happens is every generation has to start from scratch, right? If if the younger generations don't esteem the older generation and open up their hearts to their wisdom, then they have to start from scratch because they don't have access to that wisdom. They got to figure it out on their own all over again, just like every generation before them. And if the older generation don't see and esteem the value and the spirit of God inside the younger generation, then, yeah, they abdicate. They step back and they, you know, they, they maybe just feel like they haven't got anything else to offer anymore. And so the younger generation can't do anything either. God doesn't want us to start from scratch every generation. He wants us to stand on the shoulders of the generation that came before us. But the only way that happens is if there's intergenerational honor, a valuing, esteeming, respecting between the generations. If we will do that, it brings our hearts together. It allows God to work through the strength of the young and the wisdom of the old, 
We get the benefits of both, and Jesus gets glorified because he, he gets revealed to the world in a way that he couldn't otherwise. Does this make sense to you? In this way, honor accelerates the purposes of God. It accelerates the purposes of God for individuals and for us corporately as the church, as the body of Christ. That is what God wants. Generations are a big deal. They're a big deal to God. He wants them to be a big deal to us. What would it look like? What could it look like? What could God do through us as we come together as one new church? What could God do in and through us if we would have intergenerational honor, if we would respect and esteem and highly value from the youngest to the oldest, what could God do? I can tell you for sure it'd be a whole lot more than what he can do if we don't. I want to see everything God has in mind for this new church. Just an example from my own life. I didn't know if I'd share it, but I, I feel prompted to. When I was 18, I was asked if I would speak as an 18-year-old, preach as an 18-year-old on a Wednesday night to the whole church. And I remember being quite astounded that Pastor Steve would ask me to do that, our founding pastor. I felt honored. I felt like, wow, he sees something in me. I mean, there were many other people to pick from. The youth were leading the service. They were pro there were probably even other youth that were better qualified than me. But my youth leaders, Des and Sue Aarons, and my pastor, Pastor Steve, saw something in me I didn't see in myself and asked me to do this. And in the process of having that experience, God opened up my future. He revealed to me that this was something he had called me to do. I will never forget that day. And I will never forget that an older generation saw something in me and chose to take a risk, believing that God could pour out his spirit on an 18-year-old. Let's be that kind of church. Amen? Everybody that's uh, 50 and over, could you stand up? This was not a sneaky way of finding out how old people are. I just want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for being part of this church family. We need you. We need your wisdom. We need your experience. We need what you have experienced with God. The times when you have wrestled and held on to God in the middle 
of difficulty, when it looked like there was no way out, and you held on faithfully. We need you. We want you. God has placed you here in this church family, and you will be part of this new church that God is forming. Thank you. And please forgive. Please forgive us who are younger than you for times when we have dishonored you, for times when we have taken you for granted, when we have reinforced the idea that we don't need you, contributed to the lies perhaps. Those are lies and please forgive us because that is not the heart of God. Thank you for being part of the body of Christ here at Koinonia. Would you give them a hand, everybody who's seated? Thank you. You can, you can sit down. You probably know what's coming. Everybody else, stand up. <laughs> Please, for real. Everybody who's below 50, that's me included, just for the record. Not for much longer, but still for a couple of years. On behalf, I feel like I, I'm in the middle, right? So on behalf of the older generations, I want to say that we need you. We need the strength that you have. We need the vision that you have. We need the enthusiasm that you have. God has placed you in this church, and we value you. Don't believe the lie that you're too young for God to do something great through you. Keep dreaming. Keep desiring what God, to see what God could do through you. We need you. And on behalf of those who are from an older generation, forgive us for communicating that you've just got to do one more thing. You've just got to become a little more mature. You've just got to do another thing to prove that you're mature enough for God to do something great through you. It's not true because God pours out his spirit on every generation. God is not limited by your age. He's not limited by your lack of experience because he is God. So forgive us for times when we've communicated to you that you're not enough yet. And please step into what God has called you to do and don't wait any longer. Amen? Everybody else, thank you. Give them a hand. Would you all stand to your feet? Hopefully you've heard the heart of God in this message. God loves the generations. He always has and he always will. And every generation is integral to God's church universally and to this church. Both Koinonia and Slate as we come together as one new church. Every generation. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father...
<laughs> we thank you that you are a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, we thank you that you see the generations, you value the generations, you love the generations. Lord, teach us to be secure in who we are, to not be threatened by a younger generation or an older generation, to not write off an older generation or a younger generation. Give us eyes to see what you are doing, what your spirit is doing in every generation. Lord, because we want Jesus to be famous. We want Jesus to be lifted up. We want his glory to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And you're going to do that through your church. And the only way you can do that through your church is if we learn to walk together from generation to generation, honoring, esteeming, valuing, loving, outdoing one another in honor. Lord, teach us to be that kind of church for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.